You're listening to the DC Arts Beat podcast for February 19th, 2021. From the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities, I'm Jeffrey Scott. If you've been in DC for any length of time, you probably know about or should know about the district's homegrown sound, go-go music, which is marking its one-year anniversary of being designated as the official music for the District of Columbia. Today's podcast features an interview with a co-founder of the Don't Mute DC movement that influenced the legislation to make go-go the official music of DC. She is an associate professor in the Department of Communication, Culture, and Media Studies at Howard University, is the author of Go-Go Live, The Musical Life and Death of a Chocolate City, and is one of our commissioners here at the DC Arts Commission, Dr. Natalie Hopkinson. Yeah, so Go-Go, you know, created in the 70s by uh, Chuck Brown, um, is DC sound, and it's so unique to DC and so popular um, for DC, the DC area. Um, But what I found in my research, and I did my dissertation on Go-Go at the University of Maryland, is that it really is connected to all, both musically and aesthetically, is connected to all these other art forms across the diaspora from, you know, it's Afro-Latin rhythms and, you know, it's use of percussion and, um, but also the way that it, the music is, organizes the community. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's sort of like the glue that pulls the community together. And that's something that you find throughout the diaspora. So there's just many ways. Um, also just the way that it um, can be a, a kind of a through line to look at the legacy of, say, seg- uh, slavery and then the things that replace slavery, uh, legal segregation, and so the social structures it re- re- reflects. So it was a really great project for me to nerd out on because it just means so much. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it originally or initially that, that caught your interest and made you think, I, I want to study this and make this a, a focal, of my, focal point of my research? So I, uh, my first job uh, was at after I finished uh, school was at the university. Um, I'm sorry, was at uh, the Washington Post, and I was producing an arts guide um, based in Prince George's County, Maryland. I covered the arts throughout the D.C. area, so I, I helped. Um, I wrote for the weekend section, um, but I also sort of produced a little weekend section just for P- Prince George's County, and um, so I was really just looking for things to write about. Um, you know, this is 20 years ago, so the county looked a lot different than it does now. <laughs> it was a lot more um, tobacco fields and gravel roads. And to learn that there was this, um, you know, amazing, you know, cultural form scene in, in the area got me really excited because it was a lot different than, um, you know, a lot of the other, um, you know, a lot the, the art scene, the rest of the art scene that I found out there. And so now here we are, fast forward, you know, all these years later, and you were a, a co-founder of the of Don't Mute DC, which your work there led to the passage of, of legislation by the city council and the mayor to uh, establish officially Go-Go as the official music of Washington, D.C. Uh, and that happened literally a year ago, um, next week, I believe, uh, or this past week. Um and so, granted, the year since that you know uh, legislation was signed and enacted, everything, the most unimaginable things have happened with with COVID and and the state of the world. So, what what can you tell us about how has how has 
the legislation been put into place that you know of? Um, what sort of successes have you seen so far and things that maybe we still need to keep working on? Yeah. So yeah, it was February 19th, 2020 uh, was really exciting turning point um, because for most of the time that I wrote about GoGo, it was not prized. It was not valued, um, you know, for the amazing art form that it is. And so, you know, that was a really important moment. And so I'm really glad to commemorate that. Um, but yeah, things deteriorated, like the, our whole world sort of fell apart <laughs> immediately after that. And, you know, that particularly hit Black workers, essential workers in the city, you know, really the constituency that supports GoGo. So it's been really, um, you know, it's been a real struggle. But with Don't Mute DC over the last year, um, you know, we found that the music, um, just like, you know, the people um, are very resilient. And so we shifted to a lot of virtual programming, you know, a lot of crank the vote forums, you know, around um, getting people registered for to vote and getting having candidates talk about what their plans for cultural policy and, you know, a lot of go-go in the streets. So it ended up being a banner year for go-go as far as having the music in the streets um, around the Black Lives Matter um, uh, movement and, you know, the mobilization that we really needed to make a change um, in the past year. So um, as far as the legislation, um, initially there were some investments, some, ear, uh, some earmarks that were put towards supporting go-go music. And, you know, government moves very slow. But my understanding is that um, some artists will be getting some relief, um, you know, some financial relief from COVID that, it, you know, it's like, it was just sort of heartbreaking that you reach this pinnacle of becoming the official music. And then the whole go-go industry collapsed because, you know, concerts are illegal. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I think that now there might be some movement, you know, as far as getting some release to artists and getting, um, you know, getting some projects started. Of course, that that's relief that's needed, you know, very much so for for go go musicians, for all musicians. Uh, you know, I think the the performing arts probably have taken one of the hardest hits of any groups with live music and live theater, any kind of live performance that requires an audience to be there to really have the thing happen is just it, it's been impossible, you know. At least we can we can move to the virtual world, as you say, but it's not the same thing. Of course, the experience isn't the same, and and I think with with GoGo as with any kind of live performance, there's there's that audience interaction component yep. that's really necessary that makes it what it is, right? Absolutely. So, if you had told me a year ago that we would get what is it? I mean, we got close to a million page views last year, um, maybe maybe three quarters of a million page views uh, for virtual um, content streaming last year, just for just for GoGo related um, platform on the Make GoGo Forever platform. If you had told me that a year ago that people would want to enjoy GoGo from their mobile phones, um, I would say you're crazy because that's not what GoGo is. GoGo is a live experience. It's live instruments. It's live people, you know, getting in community together. 
And um, but what we found is that the the community did follow um, the, the artists online, and they had different kinds of interactions. You know, so that was what was really fun around the GoGo Awards was to see was to see how you could see people's reactions in in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, about how, how they felt about the performance. Um, you know, saying hi to each other. You know, it was just like a family reunions that happened all the time. Um, so that was pretty interesting to see. But, you know, as you point out, it's not the same. And I think the big thing is that the, the economics of it is not the same. So, like, you can't, they haven't been able to monetize it in the same way. You know, if you, you charge admission at the door, you know, you know that everybody can get paid something. Um, but on in the virtual, people aren't really used to that. So, you know, sort of figuring out that piece has been difficult. And what I'll also say about GoGo, which sort of makes it different than it stands a bit apart from um, other performing art forums, is that it doesn't have as much of the institutional support. So there aren't dedicated venues. You know, there aren't um, uh, museums yet, although that's in the works now. Um, There aren't the infrastructure to support the art isn't doesn't exist, you know, to, to the extent that um, it does, you know, maybe for theater, or, you know, for some of these other, um, you know, some of these other art forms. So it's precarious. It's, its position was precarious already. Um, and so this has been a tough year, but I'm, I'm really proud and, and um, inspired by how resilient um, the culture continues to be. What are some of the other uh, projects that you've been working on recently or, or new projects that you have coming up? So um, I've been working with uh, the Arts Commission on a project called Traditional Arts DC, um, you know, basically doing some tra- uh, folk um, folk and traditional arts uh, research and exhibits. And right now we're um, fundraising and um, we're working while we're fundraising uh, for a project commemorating the 50th anniversary of EU. Um, which is a seminal go-go band. Oh, wow. Amazing um, that this was founded in 1971. Uh, some middle school kids in Southeast uh-huh. <laughs> Washington got together and that band is still around. And I just finished writing uh, an article for um, a folklore uh, journal. And um, I, I talked about my experience last year during the epic Juneteenth Black Lives Matter protests last year, and I was on the top of a flatbed truck with EU and Sugar Bear on the guitar and Juju on the drums, and you know that's 50 years they've been going. Um, and so we're looking to do some uh, oral histories uh, with all of the members. There are now 50 alumni members, and then there are 15 um, call them ancestor members. So I'm working closely with Charles Stevenson Jr., uh, who was there, who was the founding manager of EU back in 1971. Uh, he, he did it on the side while he was a uh, uh, aide on Capitol Hill to Ron Dellums, you know, so he had a very challenging day job, but he also created this amazing institution. And this is one of DC's amazing, um, you know, art stories um, that we're really excited about telling celebrating, you know, capturing people's stories and doing some sort of virtual exhibition and reunion um, around to commemorate this incredible landmark. uh, Yeah. 
And Charles Stevenson uh, was a former uh, arts commissioner and, and chair of the uh, Commission on Arts and Humanities as well. And I believe when he first started this project, he didn't, he'd never had any experience in the music business before he got into being their producer and manager, correct? Definitely not. Um, <laughs> he was actually working with some sort of youth development program that DC used to fund a lot of those and the funding got cut, right? So he met the kids who were middle school kids mm-hmm. um, and the funds got cut and he got a job on Capitol Hill and then, but he just decided to keep working with them. Um, and so this is a pre-Go-Go band. So they actually were more of a funk band. So actually I recommend your listeners um, to go and listen to Free Yourself is their first 1977 recording. It's on YouTube. Um, and it was just reissued on vinyl not too long ago. Um, but it's amazing to listen to it because it's it's pre-Go-Go. So it's it's more funk, but mm-hmm. it's extremely um, like it's it's amazing to think that these were some kids. Um, you know, some DC kids and that produced that big, big band sound, rich sound. Um, it sounds amazing. So, yeah. So those are the kinds of stories, you know, they had their, their logo and cover design was created by Malik Edwards, who was a illustrator for the Black Panther Party, <laughs> you know, so it's, there's so many amazing stories. Um, you know, when you're talking about 50 years of the EU, um, Sugar Bear, uh, George Sugar Bear Elliott is the only member who was one of the original kids from 1971 who is still in the band so they've had many people come and go over the years so they've got a really strong alumni um and so we've been meeting with them and they're really excited about coming together and and you know just sort of celebrate just having kind of a nice reunion and hopefully a jam session too you know some sort of reunion concert so that that sounds awesome yeah yeah (laughs) Um, yes, I'm super excited about that. When would when would that take place? Do you know? So we're hoping uh, we're looking to aim. Um, Sugar Bear's birthday is in July, so you know we hope to do it sometime close to them to that time. And um, you know, if any listeners have any um, you know ideas or or support or ways you know are interested in collaborating on the project love to hear from them. Um, so this will be one of the inaugural projects for traditional arts DC at Howard University. So that's where I teach. Um, and my program is communication, culture, and media studies. So right now we have our students working on it. And so we have an intern through um, the arts commission that's um, working with me. And so he's working on this project. Um, but, you know, we're looking to, um, you know, bring on other partners. I think we have the Smithsonian Folklife is, um, has expressed some interest in, you know, supporting the oral history piece of this um, and doing some technical support. Of course, right now we're still in COVID, so it makes it very, very difficult um, to do everything. But I'm not going to let it stop us. We're going to make this happen um, in July and, you know, th- as best as we can. That sounds awesome. That sounds really, really fantastic. And and the fact that Sugar Bear still is going for uh, after fifty years, because I've seen him perform recently, and he's he's still got it. He's I oh mean, yeah. It, you wouldn't think that. I mean, I hope I'm as as energetic and 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 good when I'm <laughs> when I'm that age. Oh my goodness, yeah, he definitely still has it. Like I said, he was on the truck with me for WDC, um, you know, dur- during the Juneteenth. Uh, protests. And then he also, um, during Don't Mute DC in 2019, he 
EU performed for the BET Awards, you know, where they had a whole section on Don't Be DC and they brought out EU, you know, so they brought out some of the originals. So I think they might be the first, well, the long, well, they're definitely the long, I, well, I don't want to just make it up. But I do believe they're the longest continuously operating go-go band. Um, but if you, but it depends on when you, when they made the transition to go-go, um, you know, that I guess you can argue about there's other band like Rare Essence and there's other bands that also started as kids in the late 70s, early 80s too. Junkyard band. There's other there's other bands too, but 71, I, I just, I don't think there's anybody else earlier. Go-Go didn't actually emerge as a sound until 76. So, um, but yeah, they're definitely, definitely, um, you know, an amazing uh, band just musically, but also, part of the thing that Charles Stevenson brought um, to, to them is always community oriented, uh, you know, always politically engaged, you know, they're constantly doing work um, that was politically engaged and, and, you know, making sure uh, that, 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 that connection between art and social change was always there. So yeah, it's a fun pride. I'm excited. And it's, it's great talking to all the, members and you know the different eras and the different fashions and you know so it's it's a really you know again great dc dc story and so we're almost out of time here any uh any final uh thoughts that you want to share or or upcoming uh news or anything like that no just that i'm you know um i'm really proud that there's a lot that's to be sad about um in dc right now and, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, changes in the city that are making it very hard uh, for a lot of uh, longtime residents to, to stay in here and continue, continue to, um, you know, contribute to the city's social cultural fabric. Um, but the fact that GoGo is the official music and, you know, we're finally seeing some investments that are, you know, properly looking at, um, you know, supporting them and institutionalizing, you know, these, these amazing um, uh accomplishment um, of having our own music genre. And um, so, you know, I definitely think that GoGo is a bright spot and, um, you know, in, in the, some of the changes that are happening in DC. I think, and not to take, you know, too much credit for, for our work, but the, the traditional arts uh, partnership between the commission and Howard and the, and the NEA, the national endowment for the arts, I think is, is a real significant, aspect of that uh that work to to elevate uh gogo because it gives it that sort of you know almost in a imprimatur of of you know what it is and that it's vital and you know necessary and a, a part of culture and community that needs to be respected and preserved and and embraced i think absolutely jeff let's take credit for that yeah <laughs> it is it is yeah. important, you know, I think it, it, it is important to institutionalize it because, you know, we can do a lot of parties and we can have a lot of crowds and we can do a lot of things that are fun and, oh, wow, that was great. That was epic. Da, 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 da. But the harder thing is actually preserving the culture so that people know who Sugar Bear was. They know what his story is. They know about Charles Stevenson, you know, for generations to come. You know, so that's where the institutional partners like, um, you know, the National Endowment for the Arts, the D.C. Arts Commission, Howard University. This is where we all come together and make sure that, 
you know, this vital art form takes its place in history, you know, so I want to, we're going to be doing both. Uh, We're going to be having a really good time. Uh, We're going to be celebrating with some really great music, Um, but we're also going to be doing, you know, the work that is done for all art forms that are important, um, which is, you know, preserving, supporting it and making sure the next generation of kids you know, who are growing up in Southeast, um, pick up instruments and are able to, you know, create an institution that's around 50 years later. And there's no reason why you can't have a party while you're doing history at the same time. So absolutely. I, I, I'm a strong believer in that. (laughs) Makes it even better. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, we'll speak to you again real soon. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the DC arts beat podcast. From the D.C. Commission on the Arts and Humanities, the official arts agency for the District of Columbia. Visit us online to learn more about our programs at dcarts.dc.gov.